Well, it is really a treat to be here. Although I hear that I have a hard act to follow after last week. <laughs> and that I better watch my step. It's really deep. <laughs> anyway, um, since I have the mic, I'm just going to do a little promo on the side here for you. Uh, for those of you that know Michelle Goodhanson and Rob Majors, they're going to be married in September, and we're having a shower next weekend at BCC for, the, for Michelle. So any of you gals, you are more than welcome, and I think there should be information in the bulletin for you. So. When Chris asked me to preach on this passage, I felt like a little kid that got caught stealing the cookie from the cookie jar. It's like, doesn't he realize how cool this passage is? This is like the culmination of Sermon on the Mount. And all these months, he's been working, working, working through it. And then you gave up this one? You gave me the grand finale? <laughs> I think that you have such a gracious pastor that he is living out our passage tonight. And I am so grateful. So let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would pour your spirit out tonight upon us that you would enable us to hear your word to us, that you would um, give me the gift of being able to speak clearly and boldly, and that your word would just sink down deep, deep inside of us, that you would help us to better live as your children. Amen. So our passage tonight is from Matthew 7, and I don't know if you normally do this, but I would like you to stand again <laughs> for the reading. We're in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You may be seated. Each year when I was growing up at Christmas time, we would make a list on notebook paper of what we wanted for Christmas. And then we'd post it up on our refrigerator for all to see. Well, one year my list was two and a half pages long. And I think I put every toy that was advertised in the month of December on this list. I mean, I had all the favorites, the Spirograph, the Hot Wheels, the Chatty Cathy, the Easy Bake Oven. And then on Christmas morning, I probably, I probably got the usual underwear, flannel nightgown, maybe a winter coat. But I, one year I did get a spirograph, and it was really, really cool. But when I was in fifth grade, 
I tried a different strategy. I only asked for one item, and my heart's desire was to get a guitar. Kind of goes in our family, if you know our family. I wasn't going to leave anything to chance. And when Christmas morning arrived, I went racing out, looking under the tree for that particularly large gift. But there wasn't anything. And as we opened up the gifts, I probably got the underwear and the flannel nightgown and maybe a winter coat. But we opened all the gifts. And there was no guitar. Now, I'm sure I handled it with great poise and maturity at the time. I probably didn't wail too loudly. But as we were clearing up the mess, my mom saw a little box up in the tree that had my name on it. And in the box, there was a little note that said, go look under your parents' bed. And you guessed it. I got the guitar. I think we tend to treat prayer like this. That if we can just figure out the right strategy, if we can just ask in the right way, or maybe it's the right number of times, or maybe it's how many people that you ask to pray with you. And these days, of course, you've got to get it on your Facebook page, and then, then God will really give you what your heart's desire is. But our passage tonight doesn't give us that particular strategy. It says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. It says it three times. And then it says it's three times more. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Six times. He gives this extravagant promise. Now before, before we start thinking about God as the cosmic vending machine that we just slip in our requests and out pop the answers, we do have to read it within the context. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the Sermon on the Mount. Chris has mentioned this has been a long journey for this church. It is giving us a vision for the kingdom of God. It is our call how to live as children of the Heavenly Father. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount, seeking his kingdom and righteousness, not hating, not lusting, not judging, not worrying, how to give and pray and fast, they all describe this new way of living that is so much better. <laughs> than the way the world offers. But the bar is a bit high. <laughs> How do we do this? We can't do this on our own. And the more we try, the more we see our need. We are poor in spirit. We can't do this on our own. We desperately, desperately need God's enabling his grace, his strength, his sufficiency. And then, praise God, we get to this verse, the good news. Drum roll, please. Where's Brian? <laughs> Drum roll, please. He says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. 
And the reason why we can ask with confidence is because we have a Father in Heaven who loves us, who is generous, and who longs, longs to see us living the life that He calls us to live in His Kingdom. And then it's, Jesus tells us, if your child asks for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you wouldn't throw a chunk of wood on a plate and say, here honey, here's your lunch, yum. Your child would look at you like you were nuts or just start to howl. No parent, no parent, no matter how awful, would do this. Now, Jesus doesn't exactly say peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but the sense is the same. Bread, fish, they were the staple items of the diet for his time and place. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Now, a stone might kind of look like a loaf of bread, the small loaves of bread they had. Or a snake might look like they had an eel-like catfish that they caught in Galilee. But you are not going to fool your child, are you? The rock and the snake are not going to satisfy. <laughs> They're not going to nourish. No father would substitute something useless or maybe even harmful when his child asks for bread. Now, I wouldn't give my father the Father of the Year award, but he always made sure we were fed. In fact, maybe too well, because my sister used to call me two-ton Tessie when I was young. <laughs> but if an earthly father who is sinful and selfish, if an earthly father is going to see to their child's needs, to their basic needs, and give those good gifts, the scripture says, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? Your heavenly Father, he is perfect, infinite love. Without a shadow of sinfulness or selfishness, he is all powerful. He was able to create the universe by just saying, let there be. Do you think he doesn't care? Do you think you can stump him? That you can ask for something that he can't do or can't provide? It's our Heavenly Father who expanded the loaves and the fish, who can calm the crashing seas in our lives. He tells us not to worry because he's going to care for us. He wants the very best for us. And he wants us to live in the reality of his kingdom as his beloved children. So six times, six times, isn't that amazing? He tells us to come. He really, really, really wants us to hear this. And the verb tense is a present continuous, which means keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Paul E. Miller in his book, A Praying Life, writes, Jesus is yelling. My Father has a big heart. He loves the details in your life. Tell him what you need. 
and he will do it for you. So do we ask if we can win the lottery? Does that fit with what you've learned about this new kingdom? Does that fit with the kind of relationship that he's been describing that we have with our Father in heaven? Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happens to me, my husband's favorite verse, by the way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You are salt and light, showing the world a new way, a new way to live as a child of the Heavenly Father. So given what Jesus has said we are to be, I don't think praying for the fulfillment of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is quite what he has in mind. You can't just pluck the verses out of context and say, Yeah, I can ask for anything. And James, in uh, his letter, in 4, 2 to 3, he warns us of two pitfalls in prayer. He says, First, we don't ask. He says, You have not because you ask not. We tend to think that we can just take care of things on our own. In our self-sufficiency, how often we don't even think to ask. And then he says, when you do ask, you don't receive because we ask with wrong motives to spend on our passions. We're not asking as children of a heavenly father seeking to live in his kingdom. We're asking for what we think will make us or those we love safe, comfortable, and happy. So let's pretend if you had a child who maybe had been drinking, had a car load of kids, driving late one night, and crashes and totals the car. Now everybody's safe, everybody's safe, but he's just been careless and foolish. And the next day, your child comes to you and says, oh, whoops, Dad, sorry. Gosh, I kind of blew that. But, you know, I really need a car to get to the game on Friday night. Do you think you could buy a new one? You know, maybe a Porsche this time? I really like red. You would say, are you nuts? (laughs) Or I hope so, or you guys need to offer parenting classes. (laughs) What do we want for our kids? We want them to grow up loving Jesus. Having strong character that is not going to be swayed by the culture. We want them to become mature in life and faith. And we are not going to give them things that mess that up. We're not going to hinder what we want most for them. God is not an idiot. That's a very profound theological statement that you should probably all write down. But God is not an idiot. He gives good gifts to his children. The gifts that are for their best. Now, two of my parenting practices, my kids are grown up so I can get away with this, I hope. (laughs) But 
two of my parenting practices did not get rave reviews from my kids. And one in particular, um, one of my children, these will remain absolutely nameless, <laughs> really, really hated it when I made them make the tough decisions. They wanted me to take the burden of that from them, and also the burden of the consequences of that decision. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And uh, I felt that it was more important for them to learn how to make those tough choices and to learn how to deal with the consequences. And the other thing that I would do is when they did do something wrong, which of course with my children was very, very, very rare, but when they did, I would ask them what they thought the appropriate punishment was. Now you'd probably be surprised, but invariably, they said something much more severe than I ever would have done. And sometimes I'd say, well, okay, I guess that's appropriate. <laughs> and other times I would temper it. <laughs> but we want our kids, we need our kids to learn how to make decisions, to learn that there are consequences to the behavior, to deal with loss and failure and disappointments and setbacks, or they're never, they're never going to become mature. In the same way, our Father in Heaven gives us good gifts, but we may not always want to give them rave reviews for how they're coming. We don't always see that bigger picture of what he's cultivating in our lives. His giving good gifts doesn't mean that life is without illness or pain or disappointments or challenges. Because he loves us too much. Now, some of you may know that I was scheduled to preach here in January. But I made a little side trip into the hospital and I've been recovering ever since. I don't know why I got sick. I don't know why it's taken so long to get well again. But I do know that God has done a very deep work in my life over these eight months. That I have learned that I literally have to depend on Him for my every breath. Jesus is calling us to trust our Father. He wants our best. He wants to give us good gifts. He wants us to live out His kingdom life because that's what the truly, truly, that's the best way to live. But He knows we can't do it on our own. We can't do it solo. And He wants us to learn to trust Him and to ask. My husband Mark and I, we love to go hiking. But I, I admit that I am a total wimp when it comes to stream crossings. And I don't mind the shallows. I'll tromp through the mud and that doesn't bother me at all. But when it comes to boulder hopping and the stream is just swirling all around, my stomach just starts to twist. And I need Mark to go ahead of me and to put his hand out there. I need him to be my stability my strength, my encouragement, my help. That's our Father. He's standing there with His hand out. He wants to be our strength, our stability, our encouragement, our help. 
and he's eager, eager to help us do those things that we can't do on our own. Paul E. Miller again writes, Desire and surrender are the perfect balance to, pray, to praying. Desire and surrender. Hmm. So he wants us to look with that childlike trust and take his hand. He wants to help us cross the boulders. He wants to help us get to the other side of the creek and live as his kingdom children. And then we come to our final verse, which when I first read this passage, I kind of went, huh? How does this fit? It's amazing. It starts with so. And when you see a so or a therefore, you have to look backwards. And in this case, you don't just look backwards to the ask part and the father part. You got to look way back to the Sermon on the Mount. In 517, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. These two verses, talking about the law and the prophets, they're like brackets to this body of the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. So all this sermon in between here is pointing, pointing to this verse out here, our 712. It's like, it's like there's a spotlight on it. It's like there's a loudspeaker saying, this is really, really important. <laughs> 712 is the culmination of everything of the Sermon on the Mount. And what he says... It's just kind of tender. He says, do unto others. In everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I'm going to take the second part first. This sums up the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets was the Hebrew Bible. It was the total revealed word, word of God, will of God. And here he's saying, this little phrase, this sums up the whole thing. Here it is, the whole Bible in a nutshell. <laughs> do unto others what you would have them do unto you. <laughs> well, everybody's heard that. That's the golden rule. It's not even distinctive to Jesus. I mean, they had it in Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all kinds of isms. And you can find it in ancient Indian literature, Roman literature, Greek literature. There's a story that an emperor, a Roman emperor, Alexander Severus in the third century, he even had it inscribed in gold on the wall of his chamber because he thought it was so wise and he wasn't a Christian he was just wise and there's also there was a Jewish sage and scholar Hillel who was he was a near contemporary to Jesus but he was asked by a Gentile this is a story anyway to teach him the whole Torah while standing on one leg now, I thought about trying to do this, but I didn't want to fall in. 
So I'm just going to stay on both feet. But Hillel's response to this guy, who obviously wanted the super condensed version, was do not do to your neighbor what is hateful to you. This is the whole Torah. The rest is commentary. The whole Torah. And most phrased it like Hillel did in the negative. And you know, that seems a whole lot easier. You just don't have to hurt anybody. You don't harm anybody. You, you don't have to do anything. And you got it. But Jesus put it in the positive, And that's a whole lot tougher. Do to others what you would have them do to you. This means we have to actively seek to do good for others. We have to move out our, of our little bubble of existence and extend blessing. I want to just have you take a minute and think about what this would look like. It's something we hear about here all the time. It's so familiar that it's hard to grasp the power of this. Think about how you would want others to treat you. How would you want them to speak about you? Or to speak to you? How would you want them to think about you? How do you wish a spouse treated you? Or your family? Or your friend? Or your neighbor? Or your enemy? Do you treat others in the way that you would want to be treated? <laughs> How about that clueless driver in front of you? Now my husband, he thinks we should just bump them off the road and that would be a kindness. But I really don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. <laughs> Do you actively seek ways to help, to encourage, to bless those around you? Do you seek their well-being? Or do you just get sometimes caught up in your own little pity party and hold on to resentments or jealousy or envy or competition? Or if you're feeling neglected by a spouse or a friend, do you just kind of go off and withdraw and pout? <laughs> or do you treat them as you wish that they were treating you? That's a tough one. Are you hoping someone will pay attention to you, initiate a conversation or a friendship? Are you longing, longing for someone to listen to what's really on your heart? Do you offer that to someone else? Do you treat people with respect, honesty, purity, integrity, are your thoughts kind, patient, self-controlled? Speaking to myself here too, obviously. If we truly live this out, we truly live this out, our churches, our worlds, our communities, our, if nations live this out, the world would be absolutely transformed absolutely transformed. This is not the way the world works. But this is the way of a new kingdom. 
And this is not the way most families work. But it's the way that God calls us as his heavenly children to live. This, (laughs) this is where faith and life meet. And you might be thinking, no way is this possible. I can't do to others what I want them to do to me. Not in everything, and not even in some things. People will take advantage of me. I'll be misunderstood. If I put myself out there, I'll just get the door slammed in my face. (laughs) And then, our Father in Heaven, He holds out His hand, and He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and to him who knocks, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Our Heavenly Father, He longs to give us everything we need. To live as his beloved children. That's the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is such a gift that you call us to be your children, that you have made the way through Jesus Christ, that we can come to you and know you. And that you do call us to a deeper life, a better life, an excellent life. But you don't leave us stranded. (laughs) That you are there to enable and to encourage and to strengthen. That your hand is reaching out. And all you've told us to do is ask seek knock and you are there your promise is sure so Lord help us help us to realize our need help us to um, to come and to ask and then help us to trust you that you will give what is best that you will give good gifts to your children. And we pray these things for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.